Welcome to the 213th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on December 30th, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway, I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who does not need to count any higher than 10 today, Carlos Rodella. Well, I do if you count the honorable mentions. We don't count those. Oh, okay, okay. But they're but they're honorable. They're honorable, but they are uncounted. Okay. Yeah, I don't I guess then I don't. Yeah, we're good. All we need is ten digits, folks, because today is the long awaited, once a year, always looking forward to it, two thousand twenty So Video Games Game of the Year, G O T Y Goaty Podcast. It's going down right here, right now. Plug in some sound effects or something. No, there. no, I'm not doing any editing. No editing. Okay, folks, pretend you heard some really cool sound effects yeah. that were very expensive and high tech. Yes. Folks, it's going to be uh, all killer, no filler today. We're going to just get right to it. We've got a lot of stuff to go through. As expected, it's going to be me bringing my 10 favorite games of 2020. It's going to be Carlos bringing his 10 favorites. We've got honorable mentions that were really good but didn't quite make the cut. We've got some disappointments, which I'm sure will speak for themselves. And at the very end, we have your top three slash disappointments. The listeners, the Twitter uh, people, the readers of GameCritics.com. We asked you and we selected your responses. We'll read those at the end. So that's the long and the short of it right there. Anything to add there, Carlos, before we dive right into it? I do want to say one quick asterisk in the fact that I understand I would normally have more games from different platforms on this list. But right now, currently where I stand and the particular consoles, or right now only one console I have at home, um, I don't have an Xbox. And if I would have had an Xbox One this whole year, I just feel like I would have played more Xbox games on this list, right? If you would have had access to Game Pass, I guarantee you would have played more games. Yeah, so I I feel bad about that. But so just that's my little asterisk. Like most of these games are PlayStation or no. All of them are. I think all of them are. Wow, uh, not even one Switch game this year? Oh, you know what? No. You know what? No. Wow. Well, no, no, okay. no, no. Okay, well, hold on. That might... We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But the point is, in general, it's PlayStation. And so, again, it's just the platform I have. But so, 2021, Xbox uh, Series X, I'm going to get you at some point. I'll find one. And You, you, uh, you hope. Yeah, I, I, mean, I hope. What? Next year at some point. I mean, dude, who knows? I've been looking. I've been looking because I got paid. So I've been hanging on to that money, and I'm looking, and I, pff, good luck, Irene, dude. I can't find one anywhere. I can't find a PS5. I can't find an Xbox S or an X. I can't find jack shit anywhere. Weird. Well, we'll see. Uh, that's all my caveat. It's just a little, hey, yeah. you know, there would have been more games. And there might be a Switch game or two on my list. Well, you know, that's fair, dude, because, you know, one of the things that we should probably just get um, just off our chest here at the beginning is, you know, we are only human. We only have so many hours in the day. Uh, Carlos... Uh, you know, works. He's got other concerns. He's doing performance stuff. I, you know, have stuff at home, got a family like, you know, we're not just playing games 24 seven. So we can't play everything. I mean, it's not like this is a definitive. Li- I mean, you know, I only played so many games. Carlos only played so many games. You know, it's it's not going to be definitive. This is like the things that we played that we really like that we're bringing to the show. So don't think that this is like we played every single game this year. And this is the list. Right? Right, right, There's right. No, no human way possible. Right. Yeah, but we do cover almost all the games. That's all. Almost all the almost games. All. Almost all the games. So with that said, um, also, I think it's worth noting that Carlos, correct me if I'm wrong, 
you are bringing 10 games that are not in numerical order. They are just 10, 10 games in just random order, right? Random order, and I'm just going to check them off as I say them so I can keep track of them. But yeah, just random order. Okay, I was very close to doing random order, but you know, I'm just a real diehard gamer at heart, and I feel just weird not having a, a, a numbered list. So at the very last second, I did slap some numbers on these, and I believe this is my lockdown final list. So I, I will be going from 10 to 1. Carlos is going in just random order. So just keep that in the back of your minds as we go well, through the show. now I feel bad. <laughs> you don't have to. No, what? we're no, freewheeling re fancy free here, man. Whatever I know. You like. We're, we're freewheeling, right? We're yes-anding. So what I'm going to do, like we did on like two episodes ago, I'm going to quickly adjust and look at my list. And as you do your number 10, I'll do my number 10. I mean, I can look right. at it and say, okay. you know. If that's the way you want to roll, I'm all for it. I'll do it close. It'll be like essentially like lesser to more. And then, you know, let's go. Whatever works for you works for me. And folks, whatever works for you as well. Uh, I think the point of it is we're going to be talking about 20 really cool games. And I think that's the real takeaway here. So I say let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right, Carlos, if you wouldn't mind starting us off, let's go to you. Uh, what is your, I guess, ten number 10 game of 2020? Yeah, this one actually makes sense for me because I was looking at my list. What is the... Number 10, still impactful, but not like my favorite thing in the world. Uh, Superliminal. Superliminal. Okay, great. Why did you like it? Corey was on the show and actually talked about it and said how much he liked it. Uh, we both felt the same. I just liked the fact that it was so simple. It was about changing your perspective in the game mechanics as well as your actual self, like thinking about the world differently. And so it did this really cool message. Well, at the same time, delivering a very unique take on puzzle games where the dimensions of objects in the world changed based on how you looked at them or how you picked them up or rotated them. Uh, you know, weird paintings would become like come to life in 3D all of a sudden, and that would be an answer to a puzzle. But then near the end of the game, without a spoiler, it really started breaking down the actual idea of a game and just left you with a really cool message. So. It was a short game, a short and sweet, and a really, really cool message at the end of it. Excellent. So that was super liminal. Yeah. Uh, put up by Pillow Castle, I believe. And I think it's on basically every platform except for Switch, I believe. So lots of people can uh, jump into that one. Yeah, Good pick. pick it up. Yeah. Good pick. Good pick. My number 10 uh, is what I've talked about a few times here on the show. Vampire the Masquerade, Coteries of New York. I played it on Switch. It's on, I think, basically everything else. This is a visual novel set in the World of Darkness uh, tabletop setting from White Wolf Games, of course, starring uh, the vampires. Basically, this is the visual novel that I recommend to people who don't like visual novels. I genuinely feel like if you don't like this one, you just don't like visual novels, which is fine. But this is a really great litmus test. Um, I thought the storytelling was really great. The writing was sharp, a lot of modern references to make it feel kind of current and fresh. The visual style was way above what most visual novels do with like little bits of animation in the background. Good little special effects. Not over the top. It was still definitely a visual novel, but it felt like it had a little bit of life to it. Uh, the story of becoming a human who transforms into a vampire and you go on that little journey. You meet different people along the way, different characters to meet, different friends to make. Uh, I just thought the whole thing was really well done. I thought the choices were good and I felt... Just like I just wanted to keep playing it. I, I had a really hard time stopping playing this one. I thought it was thumbs up all the way. And one of my favorite visual novels of all time, I think. So that I, is, yeah. Yeah, that's the one you recommended for me to play. And I played. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I definitely would say, like you told me, it's definitely the, the one to get people into visual novels. Because I was definitely interested after playing it. Yeah, I remember you had a pretty good time, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, Vampire the Masquerade, Coteries of New York. Uh, great stuff. That is my number 10. Carlos, what do you got for number 9? I'm going to put this one at number 9 because I didn't finish it. And I think you did, which is crazy. I don't know how many times that's happened, especially with an RPG. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. Wasteland 3. Wasteland 3. Good game. Uh, Tell us why you game. picked it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, come on. The, the creators of this game are the creators of some of my favorite uh, franchises, Fallout, etc. And it's just a really good RPG with lots of different choice. Um, the setting is, is really cool. The graphics really fit uh, the style. It's that turn-based, but also kind of action-y at the same time. Um, you really do feel like you can create your own party of anybody. Uh, you can pick up tons of people along the way. And yeah, it's just a really addictive, uh, well-made RPG with this kind of exploration, but also tons of characters and tons of story and tons of choices. Because essentially, you know, you can play many different versions of this game. I'm sure both of our games are totally different. Um, or maybe maybe they're not that different because we actually make a lot of the same choices in RPGs. But um, yeah, it's just really well done. And I put it number nine because I didn't finish it. Because as I've said on this podcast, I got stuck at an area. And I, you gave me advice. What was the advice? Um, the advice was keep going because you get a choice later that actually gets you where you want to go. I know, that, right. I know what you're talking about and you didn't want to commit to something. And I was like, oh, I, I wanted to do the exact same thing you did, but I kept going. And then there was a choice that came up later that made it happen. So. Yeah. Okay. So I will go back to it and maybe I'll, it'll go up higher on my list after it's already done. But it's definitely on my list because I was like, like hook, line and sinker and just in that world for a very long time. I'm just going to yes and all that stuff. I totally agree with everything you said. Wasteland 3 is one of my favorite games this year. It actually comes up higher for me on my list, so I'm going to hold off on that, and we will get to it when I get to it. But it's also on my list as well. Cool. All right. My number nine is The Eternal Castle Remastered. Uh, played this on Switch, I think it was like in January or February, like way back at the beginning of the year. I'm sure everybody has forgotten it even came out this year. This was a, I don't know, like a, like a total like a fake, like, I guess homage to like side scrolling Prince of Persia 2D platforming, but it was done in like really basic kind of like Atari 2600 style or like really, really early eight bit style. And the developers even tried to like front, like it was like a quote unquote, like a lost discovery as if mm. it was actually from that period. But they, you know, they got found out pretty quickly, but kind of a cool premise to think that it was like this lost game from back in the day, basically 2d side scroller with a really strong abstract art. I love the art. The colors were so strong. The visual effects were so cool. Um, very minimalist, but also very powerful. And it took that 2d Prince of Persia side scrolling stuff. And I, I get that probably a lot of people listening are probably not familiar with the original, like Jordan Mechner, per Prince of Persia stuff. Um, but just think about like really slow, chunky animation based 2d platforming, which was really, really difficult back in the day, but it inspired a lot of people. So they took that same style, um, fixed it up a little bit, gave it some modern amenities like pickups and hidden secrets and, um, an interesting story. You can do the levels in any order that you wanted to. But for me, honestly, the thing that really stuck with, you with the most was just the art. The art was so strong. Like, one of the most visually arresting titles I played all year. Nothing else looked like it. And I just, I really enjoyed it. And I finished it, and I thought it was a great game. But man, that art style just blew my mind. Like, it was so good. So, yeah, I I gotta go back and play that. I forgot about it totally until you just bring it back up. I think pretty much everybody on earth forgot about it this year i mean it came out so long ago it came out before coronavirus i'm pretty sure so that's how long ago that was wow which is 15 years ago 
that's like a whole lifetime ago yeah, yeah for sure man so eternal castle remastered i played it on switch it's great on switch but i believe it's like pretty much everywhere else as well carlos what do you have for number eight um i'm doing this on the fly and i think this makes sense uh ghost of shishima okay why did you pick that so when i originally played it it's so interesting how games work where you you're really impressed maybe you know early on when you're playing it but then later on at the end of the year you're like well was it that good or you play another game that's like blows it out of the water right right um, nothing really blew this out of the water and, and the graphics still are amazing and it's such a really cool um take on you know feudal japan style um open world action game and you can level up your character and and there's really cool stories and great voice acting and you've probably heard it before i mean it's, it's a really well-made game um i just lost myself in it it was was it february march it was early fairly fairly early yeah yeah because like. it was it felt like it was early into corona not to bring that up again but i was really excited to lose myself into a, a world and ghost of shima didn't uh disappoint because it's such a livable breathable world you know it just feels so with its graphics and my ps4 pro at the time you know pushing really hard and, and making these graphics happen and yeah it's just beautiful and i just really like the combat um it's it's lower on my list because at some point i kind of started wearing on me which you didn't I finish it did you no which is it's crazy to me because i really really liked it at the beginning i don't know if it's another game that is on this list that i picked up you know what i mean I think yeah. it was, um, and I kind of played that instead. But that happens. Uh, but it still has to be on my list because it made such an impression. It's so well made. And for the graphics alone, if you have a PS4 right now and you're, like, sad that you can't play Cyberpunk or, you know, some of these other games uh, or you want to wait for Valhalla or something, you should go and play Ghost of Tsushima because it looks fucking fantastic on your regular PS4. Yeah, you know, I did play it for a little while. It didn't stick with me, but I do recall it looking like a stunner. I mean, everything was just really jaw-dropping. All the, the cherry blossom petals and the wind and the trees and the green of the hills and stuff. I mean, it is yeah. a looker, that's for sure. Yeah, the lighting is so well, because now that I'm seeing lighting done with ray tracing and stuff on PS5, I'm, like, amazed what they were doing on PS4. You know, it's it's really cool. So definitely has to be on my list. I really like it. Uh, similar to Wasteland 3, I didn't finish it, but I, I still recommend it. Excellent, excellent. Uh, my number eight, Max Gentleman's Sexy Business on PC. Oh, this game. I had, like, the best time with this game. This is a point-and-click. It's almost like a clicker, almost. I mean, it, there is clicking, but there's also, like, you know, clicking as a genre where you just, like, watch numbers increase, you know? Like, this is about uh, Victorian England, and you're starting a business, and you need to, like, earn money and hire employees and it sounds really boring, but actually it's really not boring because, number one, the humor is really funny in this game. It's a very humorous, not serious game at all. And also this is, um, it can be an adults-only title where there's lots of sexual content, tons of nudity, and also some LGBTQ-friendly content as well. Um, I just thought it was a really well-done piece of software where the gameplay, I felt like, was exactly in the pocket of where I wanted it. Like, it wasn't too involved, but it wasn't too passive. And it was exactly where I felt like I was busy doing stuff, but I wasn't too busy. And it just, it had a good level of busyness to it. But then also, every time a cutscene came up, I was always looking forward to those because they were really, really funny. And like people got naked like half the time and like the art was really good in that, good art style. So, I mean, altogether, I just had a great time uh, with this. I went through it, I think, twice 
tried to unlock all the side quests and uh, romance all the characters. And there's supposed to be some DLC coming. Unfortunately, I, I talked to the developer. It's a pretty small team who's putting this together. It may only be like a couple people. Uh, and they said, you know, they tried to have some DLC out by the end of the year. I was hoping to get back to it, but because of coronavirus and just life in general, it's going to be delayed till next year, which bummed me out. Wanted to come back to it, wanted a reason to play some more, but I will come back to it when the DLC hits. But man, this is probably, I mean, this is one of the only PC games I played the entire year. And I feel like it's just a really, really well done uh, piece of software. I would love to see them do something else. Yeah, I remember when you first said, like, I played a PC game and I was like, what's going on? Is the world <laughs> turning upside down? Um, and you're like, yeah, it's because of this game. And also, yeah, in next year, not like I'm just, I'm doing a tangent right now, but one of my resolutions is to play a ton more, obviously, Xbox games as well as Steam games. Because, yeah. you know, I really think there's just so much amazing stuff in there. I feel bad that there's not more on my list. Um, and I, I would only say that the main reason is because I want to go over to the only other section of my room, which is the couch. At, you know, and get away from the computer that I'm at all the time. So, I mean, we're only human. We can only play so much. You can only do what you can do, right? So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. That was my number eight. Uh, Carlos, what is your number seven? Seven is going to be creating it on the fly. I'm <laughs> picking it out of a hat now. No, no, no. I think it's going to be. Wow, this is a toss up. But I think it's going to be Trials of Mana. Oh, wow. Trials of Mana. I did not expect to see this on your list this year. Oh, has, how much time do I talk about it on the podcast this whole year? You talked about it a bunch, but it kind of seemed like when you were done with it, you were done. And I, I didn't really get the impression that it was one that was going to stick with you until December. I'm kind of surprised by this one. No, I think it, it, it... Yeah, because here's the thing. Dragon Quest is very similar. So when I play Dragon Quest, it, it's this old school RPG. Um, it's something that's comfort food, right? Especially right now in this year that's so uncomfortable. Um, Trials of Mana was comfort for me. And again, like I've said 18 times in this podcast, I really, really like the combat. So I just love the dodge roll. I love how simple it is, how fun, how effortless. But at the same time, the strategy, it's just a joy to play that combat. I can't stress enough. Just like Greedfall, it's very similar in the fact that I just enjoyed the combat so much. So yeah, it was old school. It wasn't like any fantastic story at all when it was done i was done because i played so much of it but it was a memorable experience i mean it was a big part of my year um yeah i think if you want comfort food rpg uh action rpg it is one of the only ones on playstation that you should go to like that's it's it's one of the finest ones besides dragon quest so you're saying it is the macaroni and cheese of action rpgs yeah, but then like with like a little biscuit on the side and maybe like a good mixed drink or whatever. I don't know. It, it's like more than that. It's a little more than that. <laughs> macaroni and cheese plus. Okay. Yeah, it's macaroni right and cheese on. plus. Yeah. Trials of Mana. That was your number seven. Thank you, Carlos. Uh, my number seven is one that I played really, really recently. This one snuck in under the wire. Nine Witches Family Disruption. Oh, yeah. Played this on PS4. It's also on Switch. I think it's on everything. This is a uh, 2D point and click kind of irreverent comedy adventure where you play as a pair of uh, people. One is a scientist and one is his assistant and you're going up against uh, Hitler's occult division during World War II. There's like witches and zombies and black magic and aliens and 
salmon and all sorts of stuff that come up in the game it's really funny the writing is really really good uh i really enjoyed the the dialogue and the jokes i thought were very good a lot of good callbacks in the script but the thing that really sold it to me was it is one of those very few point and click adventures where there's no moon logic there's no ridiculous you know incredibly hard to figure out stupid puzzles that only the developer understands how it works like yeah everything was yeah yeah, it did none of that stuff like there was a few challenges but they were all fairly logical and the game design is pretty stripped down so you've only got so many things like you don't have a whole inventory full it's like you've got like maybe like five items and so out of those five what do you think is going to work like you're not going to get stuck for that long right and if i can figure it out and i'm terrible at these games if i can figure it out anybody can figure it out so between the streamlined easy i don't want to say easy but like easy to figure out puzzles and the comedy and this the different stuff that you did i mean altogether, i just had a really great time i, I enjoyed playing it all the way through thought it was really really well done uh one of my favorite point and clicks of all time definitely so that was nine witches family disruption played it on ps4 and when I, after you talked about it i think was it last episode uh, a couple episodes ago um i went and looked at the art and the art style is, is really cool Oh, I love the pixel yeah. art. Like it's so minimal and weird, but like it fits the game so perfectly. It's just really well done in every aspect. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, okay, so that was my number seven, Carlos. What is your number six? Um, yeah, I think this one's easy. This is Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact, the free-to-play microtransaction Zelda like from China. Yeah, and it's like. People keep saying the Zelda-like. It's definitely the combat is not Zelda-like, right? So the combat's like much better and more varied and very interesting. So just, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, it's an extra. But it, it does have the art style. It's an action RPG. It's online. You generally don't play with anybody. You can, but it's generally a single-player, like PVE type of um, experience. It, there's a Genshin uh, Gacha Impact. <laughs> gotcha Impact. That's what it should be called. Uh, yeah, a, I think people would agree with you on that. Yeah, there's a gotcha element. So, you know, there are new heroes all the time and you want to, you know, try to get those heroes and you can do that through a system of uh, spending, you know, in-game currency to get them. But you can just start with some basic ones. You do the story quests, which is a tons of story quests, and you can do that and unlock characters that way. So you don't have to spend any money. You could totally play this game for free forever, forever, which is great. And the minute-to-minute combat and exploration of a very big open world is really fun. Like there's, you know, you can glide. It's like a little gliding element to it, um, a la Zelda, etc. And there's great combat where you actually have, let's say, up to four people in your party, and you can switch between them uh, while you're doing combat. I originally this year, when I first talked about it on the podcast, didn't like that idea, but then as I played it, it becomes very fun. It's almost like a puzzle element where you go to your ice guy uh, and you drop a bunch of ice element stuff and you switch over to the flame person and the flame fire person will do fire and then you do like psionics and then the like psychic abilities will double everything and now you're doing like combos with your characters because you're switching between them so much uh it's better understood when you just play it but it is very relaxing very good for right now as well to be escape escapism and it's super fucking addictive. Like, they know what they're doing. They're like wizards over there. Because A, and we have to talk about this, the technology that they're doing to do this, to stream this game essentially, right? Because it's an online game. It is remarkable because it hardly ever hiccups or like buffers. It's just like, 
it looks amazing. Uh, it, it's really fucking fun. It's a, it's not all the way higher up on my list because you do drop off sometimes on it because you don't want to spend some money or you, um, you know, there's like so many like continuing levels to get to. You go like, oh, it's enough for now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I put some time into this one. I do like the combat a lot. I think the combat was great. And I really enjoyed like actually like playing it, like the tactile sensation um, you know, the, between the different party members, like you mentioned, like, you know, playing off of their elemental abilities. It's all really well done. I think the reason I dropped off was because um, the story, I just, it was like nails on chalkboard to me. Like every time I had to go and talk to somebody, like I just, I hated it and I didn't want to keep, I just wanted to just play the game. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to like do quests or anything, which is a weird place to be. So I, I liked being in the field, killing guys and running around and gliding and that stuff all felt really good. But I just... Man, my brain just like ugh, shut down every time I had to go back to town or something. So I, I ended up bailing on it. But it, I definitely it, see the appeal. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because not to go too far into it, but like at times I agree with you because some of the uh, storylines are convoluted. Let's put it that way. Like really, really lots of exposition and lots of story. And you're like, wait, I don't need to know half of this stuff. But yeah. every once in a while, they literally build in amazing cutscenes and like these really cool, funny and heartfelt moments. So I would say if you're like hitting those walls, uh, go a little bit further because I got to some stuff that was really, really cool uh, and felt like a first person, you know, regular single player game that with really, really good cutscenes. So, uh, but it has to be on my list because I played probably a hundred hours or something of it wow. like already. Okay. Yeah. It just, I like when there was no other games, I just played that every day and um, it's addictive. It's, <laughs> it's addictive. All right, that was your number six, Genshin Impact. I'm sure we're going to see that on a lot of people's lists this year. Uh, my number six, Nowhere Profit. It's on PC. It's on Switch. I played it on the Switch. I think it's everywhere also. This is a card-based, kind of a deck builder, also a roguelike. Uh, but it's one that also includes a lot of story elements. There is a, a lot of script. There was an actual narrative. There was an end that you could reach. Uh, lots of interaction with characters. You kind of built a party. Uh, but your party were also cards, and so there was lots of different um, interacting mecha mechanics. And uh, I just really, really liked it a lot. I feel like the mechanics were great. Once I, I had a couple like really bad runs at the beginning, and I was like, wow, this is really hard. But then once I figured out the ins and outs and I got my feet, then I realized like how nuanced the gameplay was. I really liked that a lot. Uh, lots of really, really small details. I'm not going to get into that here, but like as someone who plays basically every roguelike, I really admired how many of the uh, T's got crossed and the I's got dotted with this one. But the story is really what put it over the top for me because I think it's really tough to tell a good story with a roguelike. And so the way that they did it was great. Like instead of having um, just one narrative, which I mean there was a narrative, but there was also lots of little micro stories where you would go into one encounter and that would be like a story into itself. And then you would kind of have little interactions with your party. Like it wasn't, I'm not going to say it's a narrative game because it's not. It is definitely a card-based roguelike. Mm. But it really goes further than most of them do. And I thought that that uh, character element was really interesting. And also, um, your actions had an impact on the world. Like, if you were very generous, that impacted who you met and what options you had. If you were really mean, that changed things as well. So that was another great piece of nuance. And on top of everything else, uh, the artwork was phenomenal. Another, I mean, this is a really good year for strong artwork. The artwork in uh, Nowhere Profit is just really, really good. Uh, again, strong use of color. Uh, minimalist design, some kind of abstraction in the character portraits. Really eye-catching, really strong. So I loved Nowhere Profit. Yeah, that art is fantastic. I remember when we, you told me on the podcast, I went and looked at it. I think I played it for a little bit. It's not my cup of tea because, you know, 
it wouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. Um, nah. But I can see if if you like those style of games, and yeah, it just seems like it does everything uh, together, like a hybrid. Yeah, it takes so many elements from so many places and blends them all so well. And that art style, man, I was like, it was like cyberpunk, post-apocalypse, and also like Eastern, as in like India, kind of influences. Just man, it just really stood on its own apart from everything else this year. So great, totally. Stuff. That was number six, Nowhere Profit. Carlos, what is your number five? Oh, that's it. We're in our top five. This we is are it. in top fives. We're flying through this these lists. This is it. Okay, so I'm going to say... getting serious now. This is, this is serious. Top three is real serious. Top five. Top five. Doing this on the fly. Going to make it. I'm going to make it. Um, Spence is killing me here, bro. Sorry. Watch Dogs Legion. All right. Watch Dogs Legion. Why'd you pick that? Um... <laughs> I like how that's what you say each time. It's my All right, good. It, I know it's like a, it's like I feel like I'm in a game show. All right, so why'd you pick that? Is that choice, your final Carlos? answer? Is that, yeah, that's final what I hear. That's what I hear when you say that. Are you sure you picked that? Are, are you sure you did? Um, I am picking that for number five because Watch Dogs I love. I've talked about it on the podcast many times. I love Watch Dogs too. I loved Watch Dogs Legion right out the gate. I have my issues with it, but again, pre PS5 days. Um, did I play this? Yeah, I played this as a PS4 version, and it looked fantastic, again, uh, on the old hardware, and ran fine, and it's a really, really good Watch Dogs game. Uh, it uses a fun use of being able to pick up different people from the world. I know it's something that, that you didn't like, but because I did finish it and played even a little bit afterwards, it is... If you spend enough time with a game, especially like an RPG type game or a game where you are leveling up and doing all these big story beats with a cast of characters, you start to feel close to the characters. And what's interesting is the random people that I picked up, some because I liked how they look or some because I liked their skills, all really kind of I like felt like I got to know them. You know what I mean? At the end of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. It can be, you know, any generic character. But if you invest in them and they stay with you for a long time, you get attached, right? Yeah, I had this, like, nerdy girl who had a backpack and glasses and she had freckles. And she was, like, uh, I don't think she was a hacker. She was something else, uh, some sort of expert at something. And then, you know, but then all of a sudden, she, every once in a while, like, some of my other teammates would be down. And she had to go do, like, the, the combat mission, you know. And then I'm like, damn, she can, like, kick ass. And she actually had some, like cool martial arts ability that I know that she had, which is cool. Um, yeah, I just really liked the the collaboration with a team in a game like a Watch Dogs, which I didn't think, I wasn't su- expecting it, you know. And then the last thing I like about it is not only the graphics, etc., and the open world game that I like playing, but the AI that you meet in the game, which isn't a spoiler, um, is a really big part of the story. And it was really, really fun to go on like this whole journey, what, 50 hours or something with an AI, which I don't think you really got into, right? When you're play- when you played it a little bit. I interacted with that AI a little bit. I only put like maybe like four hours into it. So oh, I know okay. what you're talking about, but I didn't, I did not spend that much time with it. Yeah. Just, just anticipate like, you know, being able to talk to the AI during a mission or after a mission or something happens with the AI. You know, there's a lot of like talk about technology in that game and talking about technology and where we're going and also the police state kind of stuff, uh, fascism, etc. It had a lot of things that checked off boxes for me. And yeah, I really, really liked it. Spent a lot of time in it. Excellent. Excellent. That is Watch Dogs Legion. I believe that's on every system, I believe. Um, 
that was your number five. My number five, Iris and the Giant. Uh, played this on Switch. It's on PC as well. Uh, this is another roguelike. You know me, Mr. Roguelike. Roguelike. And honestly, goddamn, 2020, the best year in history for roguelikes. And I, I am not exaggerating at all. I actually have a list, and I'm going to be putting out an article at GameCritics.com of, I believe, all the roguelikes that came out this year, or at least the most notable ones. I've got like 35 on the list, and most of them are like really, really good. This is a year unlike any other year for roguelikes, so the competition was really tight. But Iris and the Giant, basically a perfect game if you like roguelikes. I mean, number one, you have to like roguelikes. But uh, the art style, again, uh, broken record here, but the art style was so strong. Extremely minimal talking about like basic geometric shapes with like eyes on them and stuff but the way they contrasted with the backgrounds and how they were implemented on the field of play really readable really stood out like very distinct so i love the art style but there was also a really nice story about a girl and her and her dad and how they relate to each other uh there's definitely some emotional heartstring stuff going on very unusual for a roguelike and I also really appreciated how easy it was to play. And I don't mean that it was an easy game, because it was not. It got very difficult. But easy in the sense of very approachable, very easy to understand what's going on on the screen, very easy to plan your strategy, very easy to come up with new strategies. Like, it was all very clear. Everything was really well surfaced. All the symbols and cues on the screen were very well done. And it takes a lot of, a lot of skill to really get that right. A lot of games just can't nail that. But... Iris and the Giant was really playable, great story, great graphics, great mechanics. I mean, literally every part about it was great. Basically a perfect game as far as roguelikes go. So I loved it and would definitely recommend it to anybody. Cool. Roguelikes. Yeah, this is definitely the Switch and PS4 lists. Yeah, I'm definitely heavier on the Switch for sure. I played a lot of time on the Switch this year. But we know that. We know that. Uh, That was my number five, Iris and the Giant. Carlos, what is your number four? Number four, uh, number four. Okay, let's do, let's do Outer Worlds. Out the Outer Worlds. Did that? God, did that come out this year? Oh wait, did it not? I don't. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like that was last year. Am I wrong? You have let's, to be wrong because I get, remember. Let's look it up. In let's sh- look it up to the Google Mobile. Who knows first? Oh, it is 2019. You son oh, of a bitch! Oh snap! Oh, guess what? Then one of my honorable mentions gets. Kicked up a notch. There you go. Okay, like last last minute, last. coach is calling for a switch. Get that <laughs> guy on the bench. Like Get somebody of, out on the field. Why did I feel like I played Outer Worlds this? Maybe this year? because you played the DLC. Did you play that new DLC? Oh, that came I out played this year? Gorgon. Yes, I played Gorgon. That's why you got confused. There. Okay, but Caroline I can't. Gorgon I can't count it. This year. I can't count it. Nope. Of that. No, no. So I'll, out. I'll throw in uh, which isn't which is out of order. Okay, because I was That's doing fine. this order. Uh, I'm gonna throw in because I spent a ton of time with it. Uh, Kingdoms, Kingdoms of Amalar, Re-Reckoning. Oh, man. put uh, Is that a bad thing to do? Should I not uh, have done that? Put Outer Worlds back in. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm, put, I'm putting that back in the honorable mentions. Never mind. You, you've scared me away from doing it. <laughs> if you like it, bro, go for it, man. I'm just giving you shit. Oh, I know. I did play a ton of it, but I'm looking at some of the other honorable mentions. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. All right. Okay. This is You're live, listening to people. this podcast in real time. This is happening yeah. right now, folks. You're getting a good look behind the curtain. Okay, I know I know what I'll put in. This is okay, this, what you got? this totally makes sense. What do you because got? I played it this year. I think it came out this year. Jeez Louise, if it didn't. Oh my goodness. Okay. Hold on, hold on. Let me make sure it came out this year. 
<laughs> I can hear our audience dying right now. They're like, why do I listen to this podcast again? Because it's amazing. Yes, it, uh, came, out, it came out in March. Okay. And my simple answer is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, yes. Animal Crossing, the savior of 2020. Yes, because of the same thing that most of my games are on this list. I got to escape into another world and pretend I had a little town where everything was fine. Um, and then also I visited my mom's town, which was cool this year. Uh, she's all the way across the country, so it was nice to be able to see her virtually and run around and, and see her town. And it was just a really cool, cathartic experience that it's probably on a lot of people's list because of that. Um, and yes, it didn't do anything really new, right? And I played Animal Crossing 1,800 times and sure. six versions. And I bring it out every once in a while now, and I look at my town, I go get some stuff. But I'm not, like, playing it all the time. It was just March, April, May, June. You know, there was a yeah, time period yeah. where it really, really was important. So, yeah, it should have been my, on my list the whole time. Uh, Kingdom Makes Z perfect sense. Kingdoms of MLR is going back in the, in the honorable <laughs> mention imagine. section. No, that's a good pick. And I'm guessing a lot of people are going to choose that. I mean, I think it was, like, the perfect storm, right? It was, like, the right game at exactly the right time because that was when coronavirus was coming in and everybody was on lockdown, right? Everybody was scared. Everybody didn't know what was going on. We needed something to do because we couldn't go outside anymore. And Nintendo, I mean, they couldn't have planned it better, right? Like it was the game that ate up people's days and, and let them connect with other people and gave them something to do. And it was warm and comforting and friendly. Yeah. I mean, perfect game at the perfect time. It, it sold like gangbusters. I mean, I can't think of a better, a better game to sum up like that first half of 2020 for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say it's on my list. I would say in retrospective, it's probably a little further down the list, but it's definitely still on it. So, All right. Number four, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Top my three. number four. Well, I'm going to do my number four. Then we'll do number three. Oh, you're top. Okay, sorry. Your, your comes first. But it's okay. We're excited. We're all, we're all very excited to see what's in the top three. Uh, my number four, Yes, Your Grace. Played it on oh, Switch. It's on PC. Yes. These on PS4. I loved this game so much. It is kind of like a kingdom management simulator sort of but it's really basic and i mean that in a good way like you're not drowning in details it's just about it's like making choices right so you have you're in your kingdom somebody comes up your grace i need five gold pieces to buy some cows and you say yes or no and you have to keep watch on how much gold you have because if you spend all your gold you're not gonna be able to help the people that come down to your room later there's also like which kingdoms around you do you partner up with do you grant them favors do you not and then also on top of that, uh, you could walk around your kingdom, walk around your castle and talk to your family and your family had their own issues. Like your wife was having fertility problems. Your daughter had this weird obsession with animals. Like your other daughter had, you know, this other personal issue going on. I'm not going to share right now because it's kind of a spoiler. But like, you know, you talk to your family and you had to like weigh their requests with what was going on at the same time you're weighing the requests of your people. Really compelling. Like it was really compelling. You could not save scum anything. So, like, whatever choice you made was the choice you made, and it had me on the edge of my seat a few times, and there's also time limits involved because, like, these invaders were coming, and just, like, it was just, like, such a great experience. Really, uh, a lot going on, but at the same time, not too much going on. Like, it was just right. Like, it was kept you busy, but you weren't overwhelmed, and you weren't bored, and it wasn't too busy, and just everything about it was really, really well done. Great writing, surprisingly great writing. And everything about it was just wonderful. I mean, some of those like some of those choices were like nail biters, man. I just could not. Oh, just like on the edge of my seat. So, man, it's not often I feel that way about a game, but I loved Yes, Your Grace. Everything about it was perfect. Yeah, and it was one of those ones where you set it on the show, and I immediately downloaded it and immediately liked it. Like I liked it just as much as you did. 
Um, and it's, so good. it was great to play in bed. It's great to just kind of, like you said, you, you, you hours go by though really easily because you're like, Oh, I'll just do one more thing. I'll just do one more day. Oh, that is, that is one more thing. The game, one more sure. thing, the game. Yeah. But that makes it really, really great for just kind of relaxing with. So I highly recommend that as well. Ah, oh, thank you. Love that one. So that was number four folks. That means we are in the top three, top the three. creme de la creme, the best of the best, the tippy tip top of 2020. Carlos, your number three. These are easy now. These make perfect sense to me. Uh, number three is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Ooh. Yeah, this is um, the game that I didn't know that I wanted so much. Like, it was a pretty much a retelling at times of Final Fantasy VII. They changed part of the story. They changed the ending. I won't spoil anything, but I really, really liked the ending. And I liked how it set up potential other games because this is Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1, supposedly. And there's supposed to be other chapters, so we'll see. But the graphics were great. The storytelling was good. The memorable moments of when I did play the parts of Final Fantasy VII that I remember were there, and, and I kind of had a little nostalgic thing going on. So if you played the game before, you'd enjoy it again because it's it's the same yet different and uh, obviously improved graphics etc and the combat was fun once i fine-tuned it remember i had to like tune it to how i wanted because there's different versions of remember turn you based. were having trouble with the dogs or something and you were trying to find a sweet spot in the combat there right yeah there was it was way too hard for no reason and i put it on easy mode which is normal mode so and again anybody tr just picking it up now just put it on easy mode it's normal mode there is no easy not n normal mode is like too hard i don't know there's something wrong with it it's 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 not balanced let's just say that like a regular ass goon some rich like you know soldier guy was way too hard in the beginning of the game and you're like well this is I'm, i don't feel very like you know spectacular of a hero uh, by by having this like regular old guard just be able to beat me down once i fix that I think it was just the easy mode and the way that I turned it to turn based. I think I called it, I, I changed it to turn based, which you can do. Um, it felt very, very fun. And I felt like in control of, of my success. Uh, and then I could just focus on the story too, because the story is really fun to uh, learn about the characters and learn about their interactions. And it gets pretty dark at times. I mean, it gets pretty dark at times, actually. Um, I don't know. You didn't play it at, at all, right? I played the demo and I, you know, was interested, but it just, I just wasn't in the mood for it this year. Maybe I'll play it this year. I just, I kept looking at it and I'm like, nah, now's not the time. Maybe later, maybe later, maybe later. And wouldn't you know it, it's December 30th and I just wasn't in the mood for it. So uh, maybe next year. Yeah, it's definitely, I, I mean, again, I didn't play, um, I played the original, but I didn't beat it, which is a, I know, a sin against mankind or something. But, you know, I enjoyed it back in the day, but this one I liked so much more because obviously you have the improved graphics, but sometimes graphics can help tell the story more or you can feel more part of that world. And also it just felt more adult this time through, like the relationships felt more real. And that means the stakes are higher, right? Like if you're defending somebody or fighting somebody and, and, and trying to protect somebody. So the whole thing felt more adult. That's all, I, I can't explain it, but it did. And the cities were really awesome and, and, and colorful and so much to do in the game. Yeah, I spent forever in that game. It was a surprise to me. I wouldn't have picked that at the beginning of this year, but I highly recommend it. 
excellent, excellent. I don't, uh, I mean, I played Final Fantasy VII back in the day, thought it was fine, but I don't, like, hold it up on a pedestal or anything. I don't have, like, any super, super fond memories of it. So I am curious as to how it would land with me now, because I know that, you know, I know some people went through it with a fine-tooth comb and did the comparisons, and, you know, there was a lot of articles about that going around, and that part just doesn't really matter to me. Like, if it's a good game on its own, that's all that really counts. So I am looking forward to digging into it. You know, when I get some downtime this year, when I just, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll wait for a good sale. I'll snatch it up and we'll see what it, see what happens. Real quick, two more things before I leave that. One, yeah, it, it to to that point, kind of, it felt more like Final Fantasy 15, which I loved. Um, it, it wasn't the action style, right? I, I made it turn-based, but it was that kind of like the characters looked more detailed, the worlds were more fleshed out, so... That's kind of another reason why I liked it. And secondly, remember the weird scene where I was at the massage parlor I talked about? Yeah, you mentioned that, huh? That happened. So, you know, that made it memorable, which if you don't remember, I guess you go back and listen to the episode of the podcast. But let's just say something weird happens in a massage parlor in Final Fantasy. And it's it's kind of adult. I mean, I think a lot of adult stuff happens in massage (laughs) parlors, but I guess we can save that for another episode. Save that for another episode. That was your number three, the Final Fantasy VII Remake. My number three, uh, Neo 2. Neo 2 on PS4. Why is that uh, Why is that your number three, Brad? I will tell you exactly. Thank you for asking, Carlos. I'm very okay, glad you Okay, asked. cool, cool, cool. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure this was going to make the list, but I think from a pure gameplay perspective, it delivered some of, like, the best tactile action I had all year. The story was nonsense. Like, I don't... I, 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 I'm not even sure I can even tell you what the story was. It was just stuff happens, people talk, and then you, like, get back to the action. But the action was so compelling. Like, it's, it's you know, I guess, tactically, I guess you could call it a Souls-like. I'm not sure that it's even really a Souls-like anymore. But with a whole bunch of different weapons, each weapon feels like its own thing. Um, tons of content, tons of levels, uh, lots of, like, gear and armor to equip. Like, what, many different ways to spec out your character. Lots of options. Like, if you like to just dig into those kind of, like, combat specs and stuff like that, there's tons of stuff. And I just found the combat to be really, really compelling. I just, every time I played it, I just thought it was great. Like, it felt so tense and responsive and on point. And I loved the weapons that I had. And I found some that worked really well for me. And then you can customize those even further and, like, get a build that just really suits you the way you want it to play. That's great. And I also really loved that they dialed back on the difficulty, which was good because Neo 1 had some weird spikes. Neo 2, I feel like, is a much smoother ride. And also, the multiplayer aspect was great. They added a new system where you could always have an AI companion with you, like 99% of the time if you wanted it, which is great because it really makes the game way more playable. If you have a difficult uh, section that you're having trouble getting through, you get an AI helper, or maybe two, and they come with you and like help, uh, you know, you control that yourself, and so you can kind of scale the difficulty the way you want it. But also, the multiplayer aspect, I played most of this game uh with my wife in co-op and it was awesome it was like the best experience um the only weird thing is that you have to play a level through yourself first before you can play it with someone else so that was kind of a bummer i wish you could go through a level for the first time with your with your friends um you cannot do that that's the only downside but once you do that you go back and help your friend go through it and it's just so fun so easy to use no weird level caps no weird passwords or anything like it was just super simple join up with a friend because that's really what people who play souls want to do they just want to play with their friends like it's just a great experience neo 2 made that possible uh great graphics great art style great play great mechanics um terrible story but everything else was really on point but i had a wonderful time with it neo 2 is great it's interesting you mentioned that um game on our podcast a lot this year i know that 
Yeah. Um, and but yeah, I, I don't think we ever talked too much about the story. And it's interesting that a game can still make it so high on your list with garbage story, but just really, really fun gameplay. Oh, man. Everything about it was great, except for that story. And that story was just it was just like a waste of time. But man, everything else was so good. And it's yeah. funny because I think you can have really strong gameplay with a crap story. And that's still a pretty good game. But if you've got a great story and crap gameplay, I'm not sure that works in reverse. Mm, yeah, maybe. Uh, so that's a podcast topic we can talk about. That was number three for me, Neo 2. And I believe that's a PS4 exclusive, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Carlos, number two. Let's do it. I'm going to make a decision right now. And it's this uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So for all of its foibles which I always wanted to use that word on a podcast. Foibles. That's Foibles. a good word. Um, for all of its bugs and hard crashes, uh, I do uh, consider myself super lucky. I have a PS5. So because I have a PS5, it plays similar to a PC where, yes, there's some physics bugs. There's things that, like I've talked about on this podcast a lot that happen in Fallout games and Skyrim games and games that are open-world first-person games. But I kind of look past those. And there's some incredible stories, similar to some stories in Witcher, which, you know, was my one of my things that I was so excited about for Cyberpunk. Same. Including the world, uh, which is part of why it is not number one, is because it isn't as good as it should be, in my opinion. I don't think I've said that yet, but now that I've beaten it and still playing it 60 hours in now, really do like the world like the combat like the you know the stories that are told um it's still using old school ai and old school um weird technology where it pops in you know, like uh, npcs and vehicles and then just just dis- makes them disappear like yes all games do that to some extent but it's visible you know like you can see things disappear and it's just it's using some really old school architecture that it just takes you out of it because you're having this really good experience um, with and some really, really good storylines. And you feel uh, starting to feel attached to these characters. But then you go out into the world and you're like, oh, but it's pretty much like a video game out here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like there's a good scene that I was just out in the desert somewhere and it was like sunset. And the rest of the graphics looked amazing. And it was like the neon was lens flaring. And I just finished this like emotional story, which is, oh, man, it was intense. It felt like an episode of like True Detective, okay? It, when you get to play it, you'll see. I was like, I was tired. <laughs> you know, I was like mentally tired. <laughs> You're like emotionally worn out. Oh, afterwards. dude, I was so worn out. And then like, and this isn't a spoiler, but I, I was cooking. They were the family after after this huge ordeal. I was like cooking food and they had me stir the pot and I was stirring the food. And then we sat down to eat and it was sunset out there. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, and then I walked a little bit further into by the highway and I saw the cars like just disappearing. You know, like just driving by and disappearing. Ah, and I'm Illusion like, gone. Yeah, I'm like, but I was in the world. And we did the thing and it was true detective. So, and of course I met my, my wife, my, my soon-to-be wife, my fiance. Pan Am. Pan Am uh, with this game. So it has to be high on the list, you know. Uh, great storyline. I joke about that, but she is, you know, well, so well-written, so well-voice acted, uh, incredible. Yeah, I, can't, I can say a ton of really good things about it. The bugs and the weird things, and of course, a little bit of bad taste in my mouth from the people who didn't get to experience it the right way, 
the PS4 and Xbox One owners, you know, that sucks for them. But as for me and my playthrough, and that's like you said at the beginning, that's what our list is, is what we played and what we experienced. On the PS5, it's one of my favorite games. Interesting. That's going to be a pretty controversial pick this year, I think. I'm actually surprised it's at number two. I kind of thought maybe it's going to land in the middle, but it seems like those good moments are really outweighing the bad ones. Yeah, because if I look at my list right now, just really quickly, Super Liminal, uh, Genshin Impact, Ghost of Tsushima, Trials of Mana, Watch Dogs Legion, that's close. That was really good and some really good story moments. I can't say my number one. Final Fantasy VII, pretty good, but felt like a Final Fantasy game. You know, uh, those games aren't going to touch this type of storytelling that CD Projekt Red can still do, you know. And I think that once you finally get to it and some other people get to it, you'll see that. Like, there's some really good moments there that that feel like, uh, you know, something I didn't experience uh, this year. Yeah, well, I believe it, man. You know, this was one that I was very excited for, uh, but unfortunately not able to find a PS5. And with it running on PS4 the way it does, I decided to just opt out. So I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I don't know, two months, three months, six months from now, whenever I get a PS5 and whenever I can... uh, you know, this thing gets patched and it's all ready to go. I, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I just I want my experience to be as good as possible. And I just don't feel like it's possible for me at this particular moment right yeah, now, which is a real bummer. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. OK, so that was your number two. My number two is the game that we talked about earlier, Wasteland 3. I oh. really liked Wasteland 3 a lot. Played it on Xbox One. It's also on everything else, I believe. Uh, this is exactly my shit. I love everything about this game. Uh, it is like very much like new vegas which is one of my favorite games of all time where it's post-apocalypse but it's also not super serious lots of really interesting quests lots of weird people to meet lots of humor lots of good writing um the characters i think were a good mix uh kind of a balance between scripted characters and scripted characters that you could also kind of put your own personality into like i had a couple characters who were not scripted and so i kind of got attached to those like we've kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast so a good balance on my team between people who like existed in my head and people who actually existed in the script and that was kind of a nice balance but the quests were just so great there was many different ways to solve each quest and there was lots of different abilities where if you were really great at lock picking you could do this one thing but if you were really great at explosives you could do this other thing and if you were a hard ass then you could scare people into doing this one thing but if you were really a kiss ass then you could do something else and like all the different skills were really fun i thought the the quests were really well done the uh game itself was i thought was a very good size i did all of the all of the main quests and all of the side quests i mean i didn't i don't think i did like every single question mark or whatever but i did most of it and i felt like everything was pretty quality lots of good writing i mean just it really hits that tone where you just you laugh but you're also invested so it's not goofy but you're also having a good time it's not super serious and everything about it was just great i loved um driving around the wasteland in my ai vehicle and having my crew of weirdos with me and it just everything about it was just great um definitely uh my favorite wasteland game and it really encapsulates what i like about games that are in the post-apocalyptic genre it nails everything so this is definitely one of my favorites and for me this year my number two game wasteland three nice it's way higher on the list than i thought it would be for you um and i also just thought of something like you said it was a lot about that party that you created and your you know the different um characters and that's similar to why i liked Watch Dogs legion you know yeah yeah for party. sure absolutely so that was my number two. Now we are down to the top, the numero uno, the big cheese, the big enchilada, the number one top dog. 
Carlos Rodella, please tell us what was your number one game of 2020. Well, you I you know what it is probably by now. I don't, man. I don't. Process of elimination, you should, I thought. I have no idea. Because you always surprise me, man. You always go left when I think you're going to go right. Mm. I, I don't know you... that I would have. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Well, I bet you our listeners uh, know right now. I'm going to guess that. And if anybody do. knew like right now in this part of the podcast, then tell me in comments somewhere. <laughs> um, uh, it's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't think I would have guessed that one easily and it's not because of assassin's creed we talked about this before assassin's creed valhalla is the witcher 3 that's what this game is there's no, that's it like i love the witcher 3 you love the witcher 3 i do um it has the rpg elements it doesn't have the stuff in assassin's creed odyssey which is a good game and i love but odyssey has tons of weapons tons of converting weapons to other weapons this is like a rpg where you find certain things and you upgrade certain things, but it isn't like a loot fest. This is definitely not a loot fest. And it just feels like an RPG. I left the Animus like once in the whole game. And this game's like, you know, 50 hour game or something. Um, which is, to be fair, which is too much. That one time in the Animus is too much. There should be zero yes, times in the right. Animus. Again, they need to make their next game need to be just a Witcher yes, game. Yes, just get rid of that stuff. But essentially it was for me until the very end, which almost ruined it and could almost kick it off this list because of this thing that we talked about, which I won't spoil, in the spoil section of, I think it was last episode. Last episode, yeah. Yeah, so you can go listen to that. But in general, this is a, you know, uh, I guess it's kind of adventure game slash RPG. You are a Viking. You have a village. Uh, again, something similar to the, the party system where you have a village at some point and you're you know, working to make your village nicer and add things to it and doing quests for people there. But then you're going out to fight and do raids. The raid system is just, it feels so visceral. You're like literally coming up upon like, you know, this huge town and you're gonna go take it over and you blow a horn and all your dudes come with you and you go, you know, ramshackle the place um, and you do burn things down and it really feels like you're a Viking and it's intense. The fighting and the melee feels so good. Um, I've heard people say that's a little clunky and weird. It is different. It doesn't feel like Odyssey's combat in a way. It feels more grounded, but the impacts feel so realistic, like especially with the vibration of the controller. Uh, again, I'm playing this on the DualSense controller because I'm playing this game on the PS5, which I would recommend anybody playing or wanting to play Valhalla. The other reason I love this game is Play it on a PS5 or Xbox Series X because the graphics are amazing. And my top pick of any graphics so far on PS5, easily. Wow, that's quite a statement. Yeah, hands down. If you turn this thing on, we didn't talk about this in the podcast, but, oh, this is a tangent. I'll go on tangent after our listen. Go ahead. No, go ahead. We're talking about it now. Go ahead. Well, the um, there's a performance mode and a in a gameplay mode or something, right? Yeah, right. So the one option. is 60 frames per second and one just like looks better. My tangent is I don't want that this generation. Like I'm I don't so, want that either, dude. I really I don't. I know. I'm starting to see it in other games like that I download I'm like, "Wait, no, no, no. I don't want to choose, you know, because why can't you just find a locked frame rate and a locked performance?" Exactly, exactly. Right? So, we'll have to revisit that in 2021. But with that said, I did switch it to perf- not performance, um, gameplay, whatever, the one that looked better. Okay. And it was unbelievable. I mean, like, 
yeah, we did not mention it. It looked unbelievable. The mud on the ground, it just, everything looked stunning. But then the minute I moved, I was like, I'm not going back to 30 frames per second. What am I, a, a hobo? You know? <laughs> I can't I can't live in this 30 FPS world. Did you kick it back to the 60 frames oh, mode then? The rest of the game was 60, yeah. It just, I just tested it out. See, but, this is interesting, dude. And we're going to have to talk about, like you said, in 2021. Because, number one, I don't want those choices. I agree with you 100%. Yep. But also, I got to, th- I mean, to me... Speaking just as, you know, based on my experience so far, I don't have the new consoles yet, but like if I was given the choice between better graphics or smooth frame rate, I think I would always choose smoother frame rate. Yeah, you have to. You yeah, have to because I, yeah, once you I feel see like you it, do. once you see it, there's no way you can go back cuz like especially a game like this, you're doing melee, right? You're doing yeah, these huge right. raids, you're dodging, you're th- you know, shooting arrows, you want 60. And when you get 60, it feels so good and you feel like yeah, it's just in control, you know. Um, so yeah, there's no way you can play that game. But I bring it up because the graphics on the PS5 are ridiculous, even in the 60 FPS mode. Right? They're not like they fall off. It's like fucking incredible. Some of the lighting again puts Ghost of Tsushima, which is on this list, to shame. I mean, there are scenes that are like, you know, five times better or, or more than than Tsushima. So, and also I'll say this about it. Some of the storytelling, similar to Cyberpunk, really, really surprised me. Where I, you know, you have to make big decisions, and those decisions do make a difference. And you figure out who you want to install as the next king of a town, or you go on um, a raid and have to pick between three different people who like live or die, and then the other two people die, and like that's it, like they're dead, you know, and like you better have made the right decision. So it was, it had so much weight to the combat. It had so much weight to the story, and I was really, really shocked about how impactful it was on me. I mean, it's easily my, my, my game of the year. That sounds great. And, you know, honestly, I was very much considering playing that uh, right now before the end of the year. But, as I mentioned, I think it was last episode, uh, writer at Game Critics, CJ Salcedo, who covered this for us, he actually stopped playing this because he felt like the PS4 wasn't doing it justice. And yeah. I want I want... I'm all about having the best possible experience, right? So I can wait a couple months if it means playing it on the PS5 is where I get the best experience. So I was going to do this because you talked about it so highly, but then I I pulled back because I didn't want to play a subpar version. I went to play Odyssey instead, which I'm very happy with. We'll talk about it on the next episode. Yeah. Um, I I, I told told, um, CJ the same thing on the Waypoint uh, set uh podcast. I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, just wait for it because it is that good. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to get to it. I'm very um, heartened to hear that it is very Witcher-like because I really would like that experience. Um, again, I'm getting a little bit of that with Odyssey. Not as much as I would like. It's 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 good in different ways. Um, but the way that you're describing Valhalla sounds just like my jam. I just got to get that friggin' PS5. That's, <laughs> that's my big barrier yeah, right yeah. now, man. So anyway. All right. That was your number one pick of 2020. My number one pick of 2020 Boy, it was tough. It was really tough for me to come up with what I thought my, my, my favorite game was or the best game because, I mean, there's so many strong games this year. Uh, and it just, oh, man, I just I went back and forth a lot. But what I ended up deciding, do you know, Carlos, what it is? No, but I'm guessing it's a roguelike. It is not a roguelike at oh, all. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, let me think. I, I should, okay. We should have done this. Okay, next year we should do it where we actually guess. Um, what could it be? See, oh, you keep me guessing, I keep you guessing. Well, it's man. a Switch game. It is not a Switch game. Oh my goodness, it's not a Switch game either. <laughs> it's shit. tough, isn't it? It's, I a, will it's, just... a, it's a PlayStation game. It is a PS4 game, yes. 
Ooh, and it's an inner. Uh, no, go ahead. Tell me. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough to guess. I picked Yakuza Like a Dragon as oh, my number one. Oh, okay. We didn't talk about it a ton on the show because I started it so late in the year, but I have been putting time into it. And I got to say, it's just, it's really, really good. Now, again, I mean, I maybe I would switch the order of my list if you asked me the next day, but this is where I landed today, and I'll tell you why. I mean, number one, the Yakuza series is a long-running series. It's one of my favorite series because they put so much emphasis on storytelling and character. Very few games do a better job of story and character than the Yakuza series, and that's, that is absolutely true here. The new hero, Ichiban, is great. I had no idea how they were ever going to replace um, the old hero of the Yakuza series, but they did. They replaced him with a new character, and I love the new guy. I never thought I would love the new guy, but I do love the new guy. I love his cast of characters. All the supporting characters, I think, are great. I love the fact that you're playing a guy who is, like, in his early 40s. You've got a guy in your party who's, like, 50. There's a guy in your party who's, like, 60. And, like, it's they're talking about stuff that is, like... Man, we're broke. Man, I got to get a job. Man, my fucking elbow hurts because I'm fucking old. Like, they're addressing <laughs> things which are unusual for uh, an action game. And, I, you know, I got to say, like, I'm really personally tired of the whole everybody in a teenager in an RPG is a teenager. There's, like, the angst and the, the weird tentative love and having crushes on people. Like, that's all well and good, but, like, I don't need to play every single game with that as being the main content. I love playing a game where these guys have been through it they're older they got something else to say it's a new perspective which is great there's also other characters in the game which are not that so there's a good variety but like again in typical yakuza fashion tons of side quests almost all the side quests are like hilarious they are so funny and so weird and so different like you never know what you're going to get like everything is like a brand new surprise um i mean and i mean one of the most surprising things i think i might have mentioned this before was like one of the earliest quests in the game is you stumbled upon a group of men who are engaging in like baby play and they're like drinking bottles and diapers and stuff and it feels like this really weird sex thing and you start talking to them and then they give you like this really amazing marriage advice which is actually really true in real life like the advice they were giving is advice that i follow myself in real life and it's really weird to me that you would get this great real world applicable advice from these guys who are dressed up like babies in a japanese video game but there it was right so you never know what you're going to get with yakuza the other big switch is that it went from real-time action to turn-based, which I think was yeah. actually a great decision. I really like that decision a lot. I wasn't sure it was going to work. I think it works really well, and it just adds a whole new dimension to the game. They, they have a narrative reason for it because your main character is a Dragon Quest uh, fanatic, and he sees the whole world through a Dragon Quest lens. They call that out very explicitly, which I thought was pretty neat. And it just gives a whole new feel to the game, like making turn-based choices, having healers on your party, having different combo attacks and stuff um it just it, it is it is yakuza and it is also not yakuza and i i really applaud these developers for taking something that works really well established formula like six or seven or however many games it was i think it's six six games in a row which were all fantastic each one better than the last how do you improve on that and they find a way to improve on it so i love the main character i love the story i love your teammates i love the humor i love the quests i love the turn-based aspect of it looks great it just it's just so fucking fun to play every time i turn it on i'm like i'm looking forward to laughing because i know i'm gonna laugh because something's gonna come up that's gonna make me laugh and i love that about it i i, I love a game with humor right yeah and I, I hear there's like all that same type of like um open world stuff to like you could do racing or you can go like find like Absolutely. video games or gotcha tons games of stuff, stuff. tons yeah. of stuff yeah you could do uh bike racing where you're recycling cans at the same time or you can go do like management of other things i mean there's tons of stuff to do lots of aspects to get into tons of side quests tons of content 
it's just a really great game to fall into and I just love that it doesn't take itself too seriously but at the same time there are some very serious moments and they do take their script writing very seriously like they do a great job it's just it's a really high quality product that I think very few developers can match so I love Yakuza Like a Dragon and for me that is my top game of 2020. I might uh, get it because I'm in a lull right now where it's either cyberpunk extra missions you know I'm like just playing every single other little gig I can find on the on the side or I start something new because there's not a new game for a while um, like a big open game like that so maybe I'll pick it up finally if you can click in with the Japanese style kind of absurd humor that Yakuza does I bet you will love this game it's really 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 good everything about it is just really high quality I, I cannot recommend it enough if you like that kind of humor I mean yeah. if you don't no, I like Yakuza, and I've, I've played him before, but like I was just tired of the fighting genre, you know? Right, And right, so right. you all, this all sounds good to me, because like he's a Dragon Quest fan, he wants to do turn-based, and then all of a sudden that's how the game plays out. That's exciting. So, yeah, I might pick it up. It's Get really fun. I definitely recommend it. So good, so good. So that is our top 10 of 2020. Um, can't wait to hear what the listeners think of that. I'm sure there's probably more than a couple controversial picks there. But we're not quite done yet, Carlos. We do have a couple that did not make the cut. We have our honorable mentions. Um, honorable mentions. You got what do you got? Three, four, what do you got? Why don't we just do them all at once? Yeah, let's do them all at once. You go first. Give us all your honorable mentions. I'll do my honorable mentions, and then we'll get to our disappointments. But first, what okay. almost made the cut for you this year? I'll do like the name of it and like two seconds of why. Exactly. Um, so... Here's the Kingdoms of Amala re-reckoning. There it is. There it is. There it is in its rightful place. Um, it's it's the old game, but brought back and not really improved graphics at all. But it is very addictive uh, action RPG gameplay. And I did play a ton of it. That's why I was considering it. Uh, Tony Hawk 1 and 2 Remake. Uh, very, oh, very okay. good. And it was a very, very... Um, I was just so hungry for a skating game and the old school skating games. And they did a really faithful... Um, you know, uh, remake of it and um, is awesome. Just really fun to play. Uh, Descenders. Very, very fun bike game. Descenders. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh -huh. Holy shit. I played tons of that and I'm still playing it. Like, there's no reason to never not play that if that is English. Um, it is super fun. <laughs> it, might, it might be. It might be. Bike racing game that I recommend to everybody. Um, I'm going to put the complex on here. Also, oh, I love the complex. We both love the complex. It was an interactive movie type game, and there's been plenty of those this year, but that's the only one that really stood out to me, and I think it stood out to both of us. Very, very good. Um, I throw Horus on there for how interesting. Oh fuck, that is a god. Ah, I gotta get back to that game. That game is a good game. Yeah, and I need to finish it as well. But we both talked about it on the podcast. It was very impactful and still is, and a very interesting take on being a robot in a um, a Switch game. And then the last two, uh, or last, yeah, last two is I got to put my friend's game on there, Dragon Audit, uh, not just because he's my friend, but because it is a weird game that mixes sexual innuendo and like a cool love story and bookkeeping and bookkeeping and auditing and tax stuff and also comedy and also interspecies love. Um, it is Dragon boobs. It really surprised me. Like I was always expecting it to be good because he's my buddy and I, I like his comedy, but it really surprised me. And I was like, oh my goodness, I really, really like this game, especially when I was uh, all done with it. So Dragon Audit, check that out on Steam. And my last one is one that I'm buying tonight. 
So it's this it's, is a, I'm cheating it, here. It pre-made your list. It pre-made my because I know I've been waiting for it forever, and I don't know if you know about it, but I just know that I'm going to love it, and so that, that's why it's honorable mention. It's called Calico. Oh, I actually I actually picked this up. I haven't started yet, but I bought it yesterday. Oh my goodness. I've been waiting for this forever. I watched all the preview videos and it's basically like you could just run around picking up cats and dogs. You can put the cat on your head, you could put the cat on the dog, you can ride the dog, but then you can ride the dog with the cat on your head. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's just like um what's it what's that game for the Switch? Um like with the dog? Uh, Nintendo dogs or something, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, I have these little animals, but it's a third person, uh, little girl running around picking up these animals and there's physics. It's so silly. You know, people there's like a cafe or something too. Like you serve drinks also. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I love it already. It's, it's making my list. Well, if you, if you're going to buy that tonight, I'll definitely, I will definitely make an effort to play it this week so we can talk about it next week. Cause I literally just bought it yesterday. Okay. Yeah. So, it's been, yeah. I've been, it's been on my radar forever. So it has to be on my list. That's it. Those are my mentions. Excellent. Excellent. My honorable mentions. Uh, first up was yuppie psycho executive edition on the switch. Love the art, love the story, love the dark gameplay. The only problem with it was I had a little bit of a problem with the save system. I felt like it was a little bit awkward to use and it was kind of hard for me to find the time to play it. Because I never knew when I was going to be able to save. Kind of a bummer. But other than that, I loved it. I think this is a great game. Definitely recommend it. Um, also had a great time with Desperados 3 mm. on PS4. Love that turn-based, super crunchy tactics action. Uh, very good stuff there. Really had a great time with Wide Ocean Big Jacket on the Switch. Very short narrative game about uh, an, a, two, a couple going camping with their niece and her friend. And they just talk. They just talk at the campsite. I thought it was a really human, really lovely experience. It's only like an hour, maybe two hours long, but it's exactly as long as it needs to be. Good stuff. Uh, along those same lines, I loved Coffee Talk on the Switch. That's a visual novel. Uh, very heavy on the dialogue, very light on the interaction, but I really liked the characters. I loved the script writing. Just great stuff all the way through. Again, very human, very relatable, despite the fact that everybody is like a half-monster person in a espresso bar. Uh, also had a lot of love for Struggling, which we talked about on the show, I think maybe once or twice, where you play a mutant head blob with two wiggly arms attached to it. And it's a physics platformer, which is excruciatingly difficult and punishing. And I hated myself for playing it, but I actually did finish <laughs> it all the way through. And it was like an amazing experience. That game fucking went places. And I'm so glad that I played it, even though it was painful AF. Yeah, painful um, already. Right. You got to be a masochist ugh. to play that game. You oh, are. Man. You are. That's that's why you play Souls games. Oh my god. Yeah, that was that game punished me, but I'm really glad that I played it because I thought there was some really great stuff in it. Uh, last honorable mention: Warhammer 40k Mechanicus, another uh, top-down XCOM-style turn-based tactics game where you play as the uh, Mecha Priests uh, and you like have tentacles on you. You can upgrade yourself. Uh, different abilities, just really lots of options, really good use of the Warhammer 40k license, and just a great tactics game overall. It had a really interesting uh, time limit set on it, and some weird stuff that you don't usually see in a tactics game. So overall, I had a blast with that. Warhammer 40k Mechanicus was good stuff. Now, that is, that is my honorable mentions. Those are your honorable mentions. We just talked about all the good stuff. Let's talk about maybe some not-so-good stuff, Carlos. Uh, let's talk about the disappointments I have four. of 2020. I you... have one, two, three, four, five. 
You want to go back and forth, or you want to just run through them? We'll just run through. It's just really quick. We have a lot more. You go. Uh, you go through your disappointments. Yeah, user wants to get through this. So uh, first one is just a simple one: RPG Maker MV for PS4. Um, I really, really was excited to see RPG Maker make its way to the console. So not only could you potentially create games, uh, but you could actually play other people's games on the PS4, which is a great discoverability, right? Like you make games on uh, RPG Maker on, on PC, it's like hard for people to find the game, and there's so many RPG Maker type games out there. But PS4, you'd think like, oh, you just like load up the PS4 version and you'll be able to play all these new uh, RPG games. But the discoverability was not there. You literally couldn't, what was it? You couldn't save on the PS4 or something. Like you could only like play other other people's games, but then it wouldn't show up. I don't know. It just didn't work the way it's supposed to. Um, so it was a big disappointment because it's such a wasted opportunity for what should have been like the ability to make a really cool game and then just have it on your PS4 and anybody can play it. But they didn't do it right. Like they they just failed. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, because it's it's it seems like such a missed opportunity. Uh, the other one was Dying Light Hell Raid. Oh man, okay. Because I love Dying Light. We both love Dying Light. Hell Raid is the RPG kind of like fantasy version of the game. But the first thing that threw me off was it's in a video game. So I thought it was like the, you know go to through a portal or something. But it's like you literally like go to an arcade cabinet and you're like put a quarter in and then you go to like in that world and the second problem is it's way too fucking hard like it's like a souls game or something it's like it wants you to die and like get coins and then come back and i was like fuck you the reason i like dying light because it was a true open world right yeah, with, yeah. With great parkour great 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 combat and i like the melee but in this one it just felt like a slog i was like oh they made this boss super hard so i'd have to like come back and put more coins in the game so fuck that i really was disappointed um the last two is uh ghost runner oh god oh yuck right um first off when i when it launched uh unfortunately it was glitchy as fuck and like just the graphics themselves i couldn't see the game right like it seemed broken like i couldn't see it right and then when it finally did uh i could play it good enough it's just that one hit kind of death game oh god you die so fast you die so fast and the and the running and the you know jumping around and the the parkouring again to go back to that was interesting and and fun at times but then you would just die and i'd be like well i don't want to do that whole section again so exactly i'm not going to big disappointment for me as well yeah and the last one and probably the most the biggest one for me is torchlight 3 oh god bummer that is (laughs) you you got some good picks dude i'm like nodding my head to all these yeah yeah because I love the Torchlight franchise. I played the first two. I was excited to play it on my PS4. Uh, we both talked about it on the show. I liked it a little bit more than you did when we first played it. But then as I kept playing it, I was like, why am I still doing this? Like, God, it's so boring. So, they're so boring. They, they just, there's something off about it. Like, there's something off. I can't put my finger on it. And it's not finished. Like, it's not a finished game. So, oof. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good list, man. I agree with all of those. Those are good picks. Okay. Uh, my disappointments. Um, let's start off with Cyberpunk 2077. Ooh. And I'm disappointed because I was looking forward to this for so long, just like everybody else on Earth. Yeah. And I did not have a new next gen console. I can't find one. I literally cannot find one. So it's not like for lack of trying, I guess. But like to hear that it didn't run 
anywhere near worthwhile on the PS4 or on the Xbox One was really disappointing. I was thinking, oh, you know, it'll be fine because Witcher Witcher 3 is great on PS4. I figured it would be like, you know, at that level or something, or at least it'd be playable enough. But, you know, oh, man, I saw some of those videos and I'm like, nope, not going to do that. Yeah. So I really want to play it. I'm not saying the game itself is disappointing, but really disappointed it doesn't run on current gen consoles. And if it didn't run, they should have just just said it didn't run, like just end it, you know, like just be real clear about it. But I mean, not only that, the whole debacle about it. I mean, they're coming up with a class action lawsuit now against them. And the whole thing is just like this uh, just giant flaming dumpster fire of a mess. So I'm really disappointed that this game that I really wanted to come out and be amazing just seems to be so problematic in so many ways. So. It's it's fair that you bring it, put it on the list for that reason, but the class action lawsuit can go fuck right off, and that's really stupid. And I can that's a controversial statement, maybe, but like I think that is silly. It's called. I mean, yeah, the no. fact that anybody's even bringing it up is in itself is is itself a mess already. You know, like the fact yeah, that somebody even I know. thought about it. I mean, we're not going to get into that now. We're anyway, not. Gonna that's my disappointment. I'm still looking forward to it. And again, not disappointed in the game, disappointed in the circumstances surrounding yeah. the game. So there's that. Next one, as you might guess, I am fucking really disappointed at online scalpers and the unavailability of next gen consoles. Oh, I am the motherfucking pick. editor of a goddamn games website. And I don't have an Xbox uh, X or S and I don't have a PS5. Wasn't sure I was going to get them at first. But I kind of feel like I should, you know, keep up with the Joneses here, especially since I'm the editor. And now that my wife is kind of nudging me about getting one, I'm like, okay, well, let's see what we can do. And there's no consoles anywhere. There's been multiple reports of scalper bots buying stuff off of websites, you know, because everybody's, you know, staying home because of coronavirus, like a lot more online shopping these days. And retailers are not ready for these bots. So there's literally nowhere. I mean, I think yesterday I went to Target. I went to GameStop. I went to Amazon. I went to Best Buy. Uh, you know, and places that I don't usually shop at just to see if I could find anything. Literally out of stock everywhere, which is just ridiculous. Um, so that's a big, big disappointment for me right now. It's a disappointment for me, too, because I would have had a Series X and I would have been playing at least a few games on Game Pass. Which oh, would have, sure. Again, sure. this isn't like, whoa, whoa is me for like entertainment value. I mean, for the for the show, you know, like yeah, you're doing yeah. it for Game Critics and this podcast. I do it for this podcast. So that is a disappointment. The second thing is, because, especially because Xbox had such a good deal and still does supposedly of paying monthly for the system. Yeah, still available. I checked it. It's still available. And I was like, that's perfect for me right now for a lot of us who don't have a bunch of money up front. Absolutely. And yet I still can't get it. That's terrible. Yeah, I saw. I, I read the info and I looked at the payment plan and stuff. And like, yeah, and you get to the part where it's like, okay, which retailer do you want to buy it from? And they're all fucking out of stock, so it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. So, all right, so there's that. Next disappointment, uh, in contrast to one of my picks on the top 10, Vampire the Masquerade Shadows of New York, which was the sequel to Coterie's, huge disappointment. It, I don't even know why this game exists. Script was terrible. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It seems just like a lot of leftover bits that kind of were supposed to go into Coteries or the the main character is really boring and unapproachable. And I just, oh man, I went into this so excited because I love Coteries so much and I still do. But this feels like, I don't even know what it even is. I don't even know who it's made for. It feels like a lot of like weird fan fiction and stuff that does not matter to me as a person who's kind of a newcomer to the franchise. It just, it missed like every mark. Like I don't like anything about it. I mean, the art's still good, but other than that, None of thing, none about it was good. So Vampire the Masquerade, Shadows of New York, huge disappointment. 
Also very disappointed in The Falconeer, which came out for Xbox One and I believe mm. other, other platforms. It's a game about riding giant falcons in a water world and you fly. Like how, like sold, right? Like I'm sold. That's that's all it took to get me in. It controlled like ass. Like the story was not great. The mission generator was not great. Like like none of it was good. And except for like, it looked amazing in screenshots and the trailer was great. But when I got to actually play it, like everything about it was just gross and I didn't care for it. I just, it was a miss on every level for me, which is weird because it's not, a big ass to get me to play a game with giant falcons. I mean, that's you got me halfway already there. So you had to work overtime to kick me back out. And my final disappointment, this is probably going to be a controversial one. I'm sure it will be. Uh, one of my biggest disappointments of the year, the last of us part two did not care for that game. Did not care for that game. I, you know, really loved the last of us part one for many reasons. And I did not think it needed a sequel, but I was open to seeing what they were going to do in part two got into part two and I granted did not finish it did not want to finish it I saw what I needed to see and I didn't want to see anymore did not like the way that the game was going and when I read ahead in the script I'm glad that I quit because I didn't like anything else that came up later yeah. so it's 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 one of those games that retroactively made me like the last of us part one less because I played part two which is a horrible feeling um, so I just did not like anything about it looked great graphics were great other than that I just didn't care for it in any way yeah, I'll throw my hat in that ring as well. I mean, I wasn't super excited about it, but at the same time, it's a big, huge, epic game, and I wanted to check it out. And the other thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the thing that I made a couple of videos on is the, the video gameness of that game. You know, oh, very much so, more so than the first one, I think. Yeah, it just takes you out of it again. You know, you're in this like have this big, huge moment that's really personal and some tragedy happens and then like i started running around the, the jumps were weird i couldn't get over certain invisible walls um you know just weirdness about it so and then, like, you have to do all these types of starting generators and yeah oh god i think i think the breaking point for me it actually came pretty early on where you're in an encampment which is supposed to be controlled by humans and you get inside and then there's humans patrolling outside of this one area and then there's also like the fungus zombies that are like literally right now, like five feet away from them and they're not interacting with each other. And it's like, Ooh. how, how is this even happening? This is supposed to be like an encampment. These guys are in control, supposed to have this area cleaned out. And here's a zombie that no, they're not, they're not even acknowledging that it's existing in the world. Right. And that to me, like totally knocked me out of the whole thing. Yeah. Like I just, I, I broke my believability hundred percent. So, all uh, right. Those... Before we get started oh, yeah. though, yes, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm jumping Absolutely. Up. I'm all over the place tonight, so I apologize. Um, it's because my mocha is not good. That's really a bad reasons. mocha is a bad thing. Yeah, it just throws me off. Um, so before we get into the tons of replies that we got, uh, I thought I'd mention one at the top because my buddy replied to, um, I guess, one of your tweets, uh, Mike Failauer, um, who's a buddy of mine, and he replied. So I just want to throw his picks out there real quick. OK, um, you want to OK. I'm bumping him to the front of the line. You're bumping him to the top of the list. That is blatant favoritism, sir. Yeah, it is. And I'm just I'm, a, I'm acknowledging it. Okay. All right. So, All right. We're out just, and about. Carlos is giving this guy props. Here we go. Yeah, I haven't been, I haven't seen him in so long. I'm just I was like, oh, my goodness, it's fail hour. We used to work together at Amazon and we did all this stuff together. So he, uh, by the way, also shout out to him in general. He helped create Penny Arcade, uh, the Penny Arcade Expo. Packs. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, a pretty cool dude. And. At some point, we'll, I know we'll work together again. But his picks were Star Wars, Scar Star Wars Squadrons, um, which I didn't play. Hades, which is not on either of our list and probably should be. I bet you we both would love that game. So we probably... I played it. I, mean, I talked about it on the show, I believe. Oh, you I think did? We talked about it. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect game. I just didn't care for it. 
Hmm, okay. Interesting. And then he picked Star Wars Fallen Order, which I did not care for. Ah, uh, yuck. Yuck, yuck, I yuck. know. But he, it's, not a, it's two Star Wars games. And yep. But I thought it was nice because he said, disappointment, none. It was all good. So he was ah. really happy. Okay, cool. Sorry. All right, so I'm going to cross him off. He actually came down further in the list. I'm going to read. Ooh, so see, we're changing lists all over the place. We're changing lists all over. So I'm going to go King back and, to the top King of the of list. Amalur, Re-Reckoning was, was originally on the top ten. All that stuff. Okay, so here we go. I think we're ready to go. Since you just read that one, I will go ahead. Okay. And we're going to continue with the list as I sent it to you before the show. Uh, okay, I'll go first. Uh, from listener Finder. Love Finder. He's a longtime listener. He picks Hades. I'm sure that one's going to come up a lot. Hades. Deep Rock Galactic, which I've heard a lot about. I haven't tried. And also Star Wars Squadrons. Another fan of that. Mm. His biggest disappointment was the supply of new video cards. He says... I've been on a waiting list since the start of October, and there's no reason to think I'll be getting one until March unless I feed the scalpers. Kind of like the similar situation we're in with the consoles. I feel you, Finder. Carlos, yep. you do the next one? Yep. Uh, oh, my goodness. Why are you giving me this one with the last name? <laughs> Let's just say Louis or Louis. Louis Fiatro. Louis Fiatro. That's it. Uh, number one is Kentucky Route Zero. I like that game a lot. Uh, Brad did not like it, but not I think so much. it was really good. If Found, which we mentioned on this podcast. That was a good one. Very good one. Last of Us Part 2, which we both just threw our hat in the ring that we don't like. Um, It's not a big one, uh, but Star Wars Squadron is a disappointment of the year. Interesting, I just mentioned Star Wars Squadrons on someone else's list. That's what this is. To each his own, you know? Exactly Um, so. He goes on to say the game was fine, but the narrative didn't go as far as I would like it to. Special shout out to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I I thought I loved it as well. But is that a special shout out because it was bad or because it was good? Oh, he does say good or bad. He kind of just leaves it there, so he kind of left us in suspense. I don't okay. know if it's good or bad. I'm going to assume good, I guess. I'm going to pick it up and say good because it was more Tony Hawk and and it was great. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the next one comes from Adderblack39. He chooses number one, The Last of Us Part Two. See, I knew we are going to stir some controversy. Number two, Ghost of Tsushima. Number three, Doom Eternal. And he says, as for disappointment, funny enough, Doom Eternal was one of his top three. Also his disappointment. He says it had its fair share of annoyances. The platforming was awful early on. And it was far too long of a game. But when it all came together, mwah, chef kiss. Yeah, I agree with that. I did not like that game. Uh, maybe I didn't play it long enough, you know. But at the same time, at the beginning, you just run out of fuel all the time for that flamethrower. And it's just uh, it's a slog to like get ammo all the time. So I can I can understand him with the the beginning of the game is pretty frustrating. Uh, Wild Onion Chase, awesome name. I do like that name actually. Yeah. Uh, Number one is Half Life Alex. By the way, also like Xbox Series X, that would have been on my list if I had a VR outfit that could have ran it. Because I only have my Oculus Quest two and it doesn't run Alex. So. Good pick. I, I, I heard really good things. Number two is Ghost of Tsushima. Great. It's on my list as well. Number three is The Devil. Found out an Ichio, which I've recommended on this show many times. Yet I've not played it, so now I'm going to go download it. The Devil. seems. I cool. don't know anything about that. i got to go find out what it's all about. We'll find it tonight. I'll download it tonight. Ichio is amazing. People go to itch.io. Uh, biggest disappointment is a tie between Cyberpunk 2077 and Resident Evil 3 Remake, which a lot of people liked. Uh, I heard I heard a lot of people disappointed too, and I feel like people said to me in my circle they said it should have been a DLC for mm-hmm. Resident Evil Two. They felt like it wasn't enough of a was enough of a thing on its own. Friend of the show, oh. Steve Haskey loves that <clears throat> game. Friend of the show, Steve Haskey. Uh, all right, next one comes from John Cheatham. 
Uh, also, a special shout out to John Cheatham because he helped me put together uh, a recent article that I put up on Game Critics about aging. He was the guy that sent me a lot of the screenshots in the video. So thank you, John, for that. Uh, and his picks are number one, Hades. Number two, The Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. And number three, a game that we have both played, Meteor Fall, Crummit's Tale. Very good. S- says, a constant companion on my phone in the last quarter of the year. As far as John's disappointments, he says, nothing really. I rarely get hyped for games. The Last of Us Part Two was the first game I'd hotly anticipated in years, and it delivered on all fronts. Well, I'm glad mm. that you enjoyed that one, John. Good for you. Agree uh, to disagree. <laughs> agree to disagree. <laughs> Uh, but it's right. good for you. You know, again, yeah, each is absolutely, um, absolutely. Dr. Anna is next. I love and Anna. Hello, Anna. Number top three. So first one, AI, the Somnium Files. We did play that. Did we? Play uh, that? You, I did not play. I bought it, but I didn't play it. I got to play it. I played it. Maybe you played it. I don't know. I bought we it. So many games. I forgot. Mm. It sounds very familiar. I think I played it. Uh, Void Terrarium. I have which no idea. What neither that of is. us played that. And Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which is always fun. That is a great game. Uh, biggest disappointment, my time in Porsche. I also agree. Uh, finished it, spent a lot of time with it, but kept hoping for more in the game. I totally agree. I wanted that to be another Animal Crossing on my PS4, and I just I didn't care after a while. Mm, I bought that and have not played it, and maybe I will, maybe I will yeah, not play it. We'll it's see. a little frustrating. Next one comes from Unabridged Gamer. That guy is wild on Twitter. If you want a wild feed to follow, he has a wild feed. He picks Days Gone... Left Alive and Miles Morales, the Spider-Man remaster, remake, or DLC, or whatever it is. That it's, it's just its own game. Its own thing. <laughs> yeah, its yeah, own yeah. thing. Standalone, its own thing. Yeah. He says, all three were marvelous. My biggest disappointment was just how boring The Last of Us Part Two was. It's not even the usual kind of bad. It actively wastes your time and wastes opportunities in ways I didn't think anyone would consider. Ooh. Oof. Ooh, burn. burn. He's got some words. I like it, though. I agree. I agree also. Um, Will Borger says, Doom Eternal. There's Doom again. Mm-hmm. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Beautiful game. I can't play it because I don't have the fucking Xbox. Anyways. <laughs> Number three is Final Fantasy VII Remake. 100% agree. What a great pick. Disappointments. I know it's worse than a cliche at this point, but Cyberpunk. Not even because of the bugs, but just how clearly unfinished in, it is in terms of design. Let me put an asterisk next to that, Will Borger. Like I say on every episode, and I think I'll probably say until 2021, it isn't fully unfinished on every system. On PS5 and PC, it's close to finished. So. To be fair, though, you did talk about how it, the the weirdness of it like took you out of the immersion, though. Maybe that's what he's referring to. Well, maybe. Uh, that's another tangent. And it, it, it is a huge t- talking point because we've all been waiting for it for so long. But I will say there's a difference between unfinished and like mechanics. Right. And I feel like my frustration is they're using old school AI and old school ways to bring in physics, you know, so that it's not like that's unfinished. It's like they picked the wrong thing, in my opinion. I get you. Which is it was actually more damning. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually worse than being unfinished. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Next one comes from Trashylvania. Love trash. Hello, trash says uh, top three for the year paratopic which released on switch this year i bought that have not played it uh, that's like my recurring themes i bought it haven't played it uh luna the shadow dust which i've heard marvelous things about uh xenoblade chronicles uh de which is what deluxe edition i guess yeah that's so and good. he says the most disappointing might be memoranda great style but nonsensical puzzles and storytelling i was really looking forward to a new point and click game but it was not great yeah. By the way, we have a lot on this list. 
<laughs> we got a lot of people be... who wanted to be part Holy of the show, man. Shit. Okay, I'm just going to cut this section out and just upload this separately as well. Um, <laughs> okay, man, I'm probably not going to do that. Uh, Andreas, hmm, help me out. Andreas uh, Chihai Tang. Thank you. Uh, number one, Outer Wilds, uh, which is not Outer Worlds. Yes, Outer Wilds a is a more independent game, but is also very, very cool. Uh, Zelda Breath of the Wilds, because they played it this Must year. Must have played it this year? Yeah. Walking Dead Final Season. Must have played it this year. This year. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's what you played. Exactly, really. exactly. Uh, Disappointment, Hellblade, Send You a Sacrifice. Wow, Hellblade's really good. That's okay. I haven't gotten to it yet. I bought it again, bought it, haven't played it. I got to play it. People keep telling me I got to play it. Yeah. I love Andreas, by the way. Hello, Andreas. Thank you for chipping in. Hello, hello. Uh, next one comes from Kostas Taliadoros, uh, who is a longtime Game Critics reader and listener. Super fan. Always happy to hear from this guy. Number one, Darkest Dungeon. I think, again, we're going with the theme of I played it this year. Darkest Dungeon is great. Didn't come from this year, but I love it. Love that pick. Number two, Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. We, we both have great love for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Nowhere Prophet. That was on my top ten, so good pick there. Biggest disappointment, Siberia. Wow, that is a that is a game from way back. Siberia. Wow. Yeah, I know that's so. But biggest disappointment is in like they played it now and it's. Yeah, they must have played like the Switch version or something. I think it recently had a uh, okay some kind of new version or something. So uh, next up, Leo Croft says Streets of Rage Four, not on anybody's list. That's true. So yeah. far, but it's a fun uh, side-scrolling beat 'em up. Heard great things. Yeah, Hades. Yeah. Hades again. Uh, Cuphead PS4 release for 2020. Um, I am very mad at Cuphead because that, is, <laughs> that game is way too hard. But it is way too hard. It yes. is beautiful to look at. Biggest disappointment: uh, Last of Us Two. Uh, this is coming up a lot, by the way. There this we go. There we go. Our people. Uh, still a good game, relatively speaking, but hugely underwhelming considering Naughty Dog Track Record. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Next one comes from Zolbrod, another super fan. Says number one, Xenoblade Definitive Edition. Number two, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Number three, once again, Hades. Uh, people are going to be mad at us because neither one of us picked it, I'm sure. And biggest disappointment, one that I'm feeling personally, Kentucky Route Zero. I found that to be pretty disappointing. I think we're going to finish this list in 2021. I just, I'm looking at it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to have to go back to play Hades. Um, at Papa Noob? Poopoo Noob. Um, Hades. There we go again. Again, Hades. Jeez. Phoenix Rising, which we both found interesting, but we're frustrated with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it is a colorful, good game. Uh, that's that. Uh, the Last of Us Two is a top pick. <sighs> interesting. And the biggest disappointment by far is Cyberpunk 2077, and not because of the bugs. The game is mediocre. Ooh. Ooh. You know, shade I shade being thrown there. It is. I agree and disagree. Next one comes from Michael R. Baker. He has a really great blog, which I enjoyed reading this year. I encourage you all to check that out. Uh, his top three, Hades, Pop-Up Dungeon, and Spiritfarer, which is on Xbox Game Pass, and I keep meaning to get to it, and I keep forgetting about it. i got to play Spiritfarer. Heard nothing but great things about that one. Biggest disappointment, he says it's hard to say, but it's either Bannerlord or Iron Harvest, if he's being completely honest. And I would say, yes, please be completely honest. Yeah. Uh, next up, oh man, I always get the ones that I can't know how to say the word. It's Night Dreamer. You can say Night Dreamer. That's Night Dreamer. Is. Top three games: uh, Streets of Rage Four. Wow. Number two, Super Mario 3D Collection, which I don't mm. remember that it even came out, but holy it crap, did. It certainly did. did. And Blasphemous, which you I love. love. I love, love. Blasphemous. Yeah. Um, 
biggest disappointment is everything about how 2020 <laughs> turned out. And that is very, very much agreeing. Amen. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Next comes from Rain, R-H-A-N-E. Top three games, Persona 5 Royal, Ghosts of Tsushima, Hades, and No Disappointments. Hades. Jeez Louise, it's on so many lists. Uh, At Thief of Hearts, World of Horror. Don't know what that oh, is. Oh, man. I want to play that so bad when it comes to the Switch. I'm very psyched for that. What's it for now? PC only. I think it's on Itch, I'm pretty Ooh. sure. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else. I might write that down. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Very good. And Wasteland 3. Wasteland 3. Hey. Biggest, biggest disappointment this year is the insane scalpers with bots getting too big for their britches, and little is done to deal with them when gaming is very needed. We agree. Also, retro, also retro gaming prices have gone through the roof which is silly. Uh, Runners-up, The Last of Us 2, a.k.a. the most expensive, manipulative, and overwrought shaggy dog story I've ever seen. Ooh, Ooh. shade. Mature storytelling needs to be complex, not simple Not simple moralizing from preschooler puppet theater. Ouch, that is a burn. Thief of Hearts is bringing the pain right now. That's I love it. Two-time shade. Uh, and also Baldur's Gate 3, pretty, boring, Adapting D&D rules was a mistake. I agree with that. From everything I've seen so far, I was very excited about it, and I do not want to play it now. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Next one comes from Pixel Theater. Number one, Ghost of Tsushima. Number two, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number three, No Man's Sky. Uh, a little disappointment, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I find the humor too crude for my taste. Carlos, what say you? Oh, okay, so I will say this. There's side missions in that game, and I, even though I played so much of it, I didn't play all of them. I heard there's a couple where, like, this woman has to fart or something. And it's like, oh, that's stupid. But I would say there are those are very few compared <clears throat> to the very compelling adult stories that are told. So, yeah, if they just saw those early, you know, side missions, there are some that are probably silly. Uh, okay. That's how I would say to that. I think it's not the whole game because I played enough hours that they're not all, like, funny stories. Fair um, enough. Roni H7, is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Top three is Last of Us Part Two, Persona 5 Royal, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Disappointment, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Man, we're getting all sorts of people love it, people hate it, back and forth with all these things. Next one comes from Mott. Hello, Mott. says the top two is easy, Hades, and Yakuza 7, which is also like a dragon. Uh, Third pick is a recent contender, but I think Call of the Sea has managed to sneak in there. Which, actually, now that I think about it, is one of my disappointments of the year. I was really super disappointed oh. in Call of the Sea. Uh, but his dis- biggest disappointment is Nowhere Profit, which I just Ooh. didn't gel with. So, man, he hates one of mine. I hate one of his. It's like a, a tit for tat here. It is. It's a flip-flop. Uh. Um, <laughs> and, we're into, and, and if you're just joining us, we're into hour two of We're in the tail end. We're in the tail end. Alex Connolly, uh, top three. I love three. Alex. He's the artist that does all the custom art for Game Critics. Great guy. Oh, cool. Uh, Star Drift Evolution for the PC. Never heard of it. Me neither. Beautiful Desolation for the PC. Never heard of it. Me neither. <laughs> Shell Shock Live PC. Never heard of it. Me neither. But, but if he likes it, it's got to be good. They're probably amazing. Yeah. They're probably amazing. Next from comes from Elio Capitelli. Hello, Elio. Top three Hades. The Missing, which is from 2008, but he played it this year. Outer Wilds from 2019, but he played this year. And Disappointing. Is a game that kind of like really vanished off the radar super quick. Tell me why. That was the next one from Don't Nod, another narrative game. I think a lot of people who liked um, 
Uh, what was that other narrative game they did uh, with the time traveling? Uh, you just talked about it recently, I feel was like. Was the Twin Mirrors one? Twin no, it wasn't Twin, Twin Mirrors. God, it's about the girl who can stop time and uh, Life is Strange. The people from Life is Strange. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was their next game. Pretty anticipated and it just it vanished without a peep so well it did win an award though i think at the game awards did it really god i don't know anybody who played it i think it did i don't either uh upsello last of us part two spelunky 2 that's a new one uh carto which you liked Mm -hmm. and disappointment is paratropic which is one that somebody else picked as one of their favorites this year interesting Next, we have Nix RIP. Hello, hello. Uh, longtime friend, longtime follower of Game Critics. Top three The Last of Us Part Two, Tetris Effect Connected, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, although Hades is right there, though. Biggest disappointment, and one that I feel very much Falconeer, indie bird riding game with tons of post apocalyptic atmosphere. Wanted to love it, but it has the depth of a game from 20 years ago. Yes, Ooh. I agree. And by the way, now that I'm looking at the list, there's my buddy Mike at the end of the list. Yep. And see, I just bumped him all the way to the front. It's like a red carpet or what's it called when you get the VIP? Yeah, he got he got ushered to the front of the list. He, he was ushered. on the he was on the VIP list. He was going to be at the bottom. Uh, the last one is Gaming in the Wild, which we we love and and uh, love the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero. The Last of Us Part Two and The Pathless, which we talked about on his podcast and our podcast. Absolutely. So thank you all to everybody who chipped in. Love those uh, nominations. Love those favorites. Love those complaints. I love getting a little bit of sweet and sour both. That's how we roll on the show. Uh, pretty diverse year. I think we covered a lot of ground. And I think between you and I, Carlos, I think we covered a pretty wide array of games, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, we did it. You know, we did it. We can say we did it. Let's just say it. We we did it. We did it. We actually did it. Uh, and I think next year it was going to only be more because we do review all the games. And I think 2021, you know, we'll at some point have both consoles. We will. Oh, God. I hope we so. Will. Jesus, it's going to be a bad year if we don't. But we'll, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, yeah. I guess. All right, folks. That is it for 2020. That is it for this show. That is it for the top 10 of the year but before we go as always love to get your questions and comments hit us up so video games podcast at gmail.com we're on twitter at so video games but you can reach us individually carlos where can people find you here at the end of 2020 you know i'm also i'm on tiktok now did i did i mention that he's tiktoking i'm ticking and talking i just do all these comedy skits and i put some up, up there so on tiktok it's it's called it's me Onawa, O-N-A-W-A, so all, all one word, it's me, Onawa. But also just go to my <clears throat> YouTube channel, youtube.com slash a lot of things, but go on your mobile phone, like I'm going to tell Brad Galloway to do right after this podcast, and when you go on the mobile phone, you'll see these shorts that I make, and these shorts will show up uh, only while you're watching it on the mobile. So youtube.com slash a lot of things on your mobile device. On your mobile device. Excellent, excellent. Uh, as for me, same as always, on Twitter, on Instagram, it's B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode 213, a.k.a. G-O-T-Y 2020. Thank you all again for joining us here on the So Video Games Podcast, and we'll be back, I guess, next year. We'll see you next, next year. year. Next year in 2021 in the future. When the future is better. Oh God, I hope so, man. I don't know. I don't know if I can take another 2020. That's uh, no thanks. Uh, we're gonna keep our fingers crossed. Uh, but in the meantime, this is bye from Brad, and bye from someone who's now like 56 years young because that was a epic podcast. <laughs> I think it went a long time. Uh, bye. See you later. Bye.